Hey, church family, welcome to Christ Community Church Online. We are so glad to have you joining us for this weekend's service. I'm Haley. And I'm Brianna, and we'll be hosting today's service. Now, it's the first weekend of the month, so you know what that means, communion. We invite you to grab some juice and crackers or a variation of the sort and join along in communion with us at the end of the service. As part of our global ministry effort, Christ Community Church continues to sponsor 50 orphans at Place of Rescue in Cambodia. You can participate personally in giving these kids hope and a future founded in Christ. For those of you who are interested, we'll have an opportunity to select a child to sponsor this weekend. All you have to do is send an email at dgertz at cccrochester.org after the service. This is an amazing and personal way to use your gifts to impact God's kingdom. Christ Community Church Online is just about to get started. So we invite you to take in today's service and all that God has for you during this time. Let's raise our voices and worship our King together. Hey church, as we continue to go um, through the season of not really knowing what each day or each week is even going to look like, let's just really lean into the faithfulness of our God today as we worship together.
I hear. 
And you know, it's one thing to sing those lyrics and to think that we mean them. But to truly be available to the call of Christ and to say, yes, Lord, it means sacrificing ourselves completely at the altar and having not only less of me, but none of me. And so as we're doing a self-check, how many times have we actually done that when we say we're available to God and we want to say yes, how many times have we actually done it? and been completely available to the nudging of the Holy Spirit. To be completely vulnerable, saying, I'm not going to do what I want. I'm going to do what you want because that's the best that you have for me. And that's your plan. So wherever you are, this may be uncomfortable for you, but I want you to try to do it. I want you to get on your knees in your homes with the people around you. And as we sing this chorus again, once or twice, I want it to be your prayer and I want you to soak it in and then sing it back to him. If that's indeed something that you wanna do to be available and to say yes to God in these next few moments, on your knees, let that be your prayer. God, that's our prayer right now in this place is to be available. So we're just going to sit in a little bit of silence so that we can hear your sweet voice and hear that nudging. that you're a God that we can trust with our life. We love you, Father. Amen. Welcome back. And for those of you just now tuning in, I'm Haley. And I'm Brianna. Thanks so much for joining us for worship today. Part of Christ Community's DNA is sending and supporting missions throughout the world. 
Here's another example of us living out our values of mission and legacy. Take a look. Hi, Christ Community Church. My name is Caleb G. Over the last four years, I've spent my time studying youth and family ministry at Crown College. This has allowed the opportunities to go to multiple different locations and cities to take part in differing ministries. Most recently, I went to Cleveland, Ohio to work with Envision Cleveland. While with Envision, I worked with differing ministries, organizations, and churches in order to bridge differing communities such as the refugee population, the special needs community, and differing inner city neighborhoods. I hope soon to return back to Cleveland and continue this work in unifying the church and building up different communities. Growing up at CCC had a tremendous impact on my spiritual walk. I heard my calling to ministry while going to a winter retreat in seventh grade, and I'm thankful for the years of discipleship and outpouring of love and faith. I hope and I pray that you continue to pass on this faith as we journey to restore our broken world. It's our hope that you desire these same values and want to support our mission of restoring our broken world through the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can join us in the mission and worship through your giving. We invite you to take this opportunity to click the give link on the screen. If you're new to joining us, we really are so glad to have you here. Thank you for tuning into our online church experience. Whether you've been with us for years or this is your first time watching us online, we are excited to welcome you to our church. We would like to invite you to fill out the online connection card. It is a great way for us to help get you connected here at CCC. And you can find this by clicking the connect link on your screen or in the Facebook post, or you can click on our live prayer button and one of our service hosts would be happy to get you connected that way too. We look forward to connecting with you. We are continuing to pray for each of you and we would love to join with you today in lifting up your specific needs and praises. We can be confident that God hears us when we come before Him. If you would like prayer at any point during the service, our hosts are available on our streaming service through the live prayer feature. There are also many opportunities to receive prayer at any time during the week and you can check these out in the prayer section of our website. We want to continue to partner with you in prayer any way that we can because it is so powerful, especially during these times. Thanks again for tuning into Christ Community Church Online. Now here's a message from Daryl. You can now glimpse the future with nothing more than a modem, a phone line. I have a dream today. For them, treating coronavirus has an extra layer of stress. As a soldier, though a soldier of peace. to try to help just after those harrowing explosions rocked the finish line of the Boston Marathon. When a man walked to the middle of the avenue of eternal peace. Freedom for all mankind. A fireman carried an American flag to the mast and raised it.
Happy August, Online Church. This is the first weekend of the month, and so we are going to um, take communion together at the end of our time. And so if you don't have your bread and juice ready yet, I wanted to remind you that. I'm gonna be using one of these little all-in-one communion cups that we use when we're um, together in the in-person service. So um, whatever you use, though, um, that'll be great there for you at your home. Hope you had a great July. Uh, Marie and I had a really nice July. We had family in town, so that was a lot of fun. And we've been able to get out and about. We've taken some good hikes and some long bike rides. And this Minnesota summer, it's been fantastic for us. But I started something in July that I hadn't done um, for a while. I started paying more attention to the headlines. And for the last several months before July, I had been, you know, being aware without really being in the weeds. And uh, in the month of July, I don't really know why I did it. I just started paying attention to headlines, reading articles, and um, I have stress and tension over that. And I know many of you do too. And one of the things that's become very aware, I've become very aware of, or just reminded of in that is that um, we have a great need for peacemakers in our culture. And not just, not just in the big picture, we have a great need for peacemakers in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our homes, in our marriages, our families. There's, there's just a lot of tension and turmoil in the world today. And there's great opportunity for people who have received peace to be people who make peace. And so that's really what I'd like to talk with you about today is being peacemakers. And we're gonna be continuing our Defining Moments series And uh, we're gonna be looking at the life of a lady, really just one moment in time, the life of a lady who was, she's a hero and she became a peacemaker. And so what we're gonna see in her life, we're gonna see some things that uh, will be helpful for us about what kind of people we should be and about the way we should behave ourselves to be the kind of people who speak and lead toward peace um, in our world. I I think the things that we're gonna talk about today these will move us towards solutions on things like, um, like race and politics and um, with COVID and the masks and all, and all the way into the tension and strife that we're feeling in our families because of anxiety of everybody working at home and wondering what's happening about school and how all that's gonna look in days ahead. And so I'm really excited for us as we talk today. We're gonna be talking from 1 Samuel chapter 25. So if you have a Bible with you there, I'd love for you to turn with me to 1 Samuel 25. And what we're gonna do is I'm gonna read through a good chunk of this chapter. I'll make some comments along the way. But before we do that, let me give you the summary of what we're gonna be talking about today. And this summary statement is something that Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. It's from Matthew chapter five, verse nine. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called the children of God. And so we're gonna talk today about how you and I can enjoy the blessings that God gives to people who are willing to make peace And we're gonna be doing that by looking at this moment in the life of a lady named Abigail. So 1 Samuel chapter 25, verse one. Now Samuel, who was a prophet of God in in 500 years before Jesus, a little longer than that actually before Jesus. Now Samuel died and all Israel assembled and mourned for him and they buried him at his home in Ramah. And then David moved down into the desert of Paran. So There's a lot of context in these two verses, but I'll let you explore that on your own. Let me just kind of boil it all down to one thing important for us today as we talk about peacemaking is that that this is a time of both national and personal chaos 
in the nation of Israel in the life of David and Abigail and a guy named Nabal. So there's a lot of national tension and personal turmoil. And so we can identify with all that. Verse two, a certain man in Maon who had property there at Carmel. This is all in the ancient nation of Israel. He's very wealthy. He had a thousand goats and 3000 sheep, which he was shearing in Carmel. His name was Nabal and his wife's name was Abigail. She was an intelligent, beautiful woman, but her husband was surly and mean in his dealings. He was a Calebite. So last week, we skipped over the spoiler. If you remember that as we were reading through, we skipped the spoiler. This week, we're reading it. And what we can see in just these verses, they tell us that this account, the hero in this account is this amazing woman named Abigail, who is beautiful and intelligent. And the, the goat or the villain is her husband, Nabal. And then the third major character is David, who is, um, he's a pretty famous guy. If you're familiar with the Bible, particularly with the Old Testament, he was the guy who killed Goliath. Um, he wrote a lot of poetry and music. He eventually became king of the nation of Israel. And so what we're reading about today happened after David killed Goliath. While he was writing poetry and music, he had been prophesied to be the king of the nation of Israel, but that prophecy had not yet been fulfilled. He, was, he had not yet been anointed king. So verse four, David while David was in the wilderness, he heard that Nabal was shearing sheep. So he sent 10 young men and said to them, go up to Nabal at Carmel and greet him in my name and say to him, long life to you, good health to you and your household and good health to all that's yours. Just speak blessing to him. Now I hear that it's sheep shearing time. When your shepherds were with us, we did not mistreat them. And the whole time that they were at Carmel, nothing of theirs was missing. Ask your own servants and they'll tell you. Therefore, be favorable toward my men since we come at a festive time. Please give your servants and your son, David, whatever you can find for them. And when David's men arrived, they gave Nabal this message in David's name and then they waited. So they basically came to Nabal and they asked him, they said, hey, can we have some of what you have? And this request, it seems a little weird to us as 21st century American readers, but it was very appropriate uh, culturally for a couple of reasons. The first was because Nabal's sheep, these great flocks that he had, um, David's men who were warriors were in the area where Nabal's sheep were being grazed. And David's men were protecting Nabal's property. At that time, there were people from different people groups that lived around Israel that would come raiding and marauding into the territory and David's men had kept them at bay. So Nabal's wealth actually was growing because of David and because of his men. And then the second reason that this is appropriate is because sheep shearing time was a time of celebration. And it was a time when people who had who had more than enough were expected to and willing to share with people who didn't have enough. And at this time, David and his men, they've been on the run from Saul. And there's a lot of stuff you could read there a couple chapters before. Um, at this time, they didn't have enough. And so they were, in, they were in need and this was an opportunity for them to receive what they needed. So verse 10, hearing this request, Nabal answered David's servants, who is this David? Who is this son of Jesse? Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. Why should I take my bread and water and the meat I've slaughtered for my shears and give it to men coming from who knows where? So this is an insult. Like this is a, this is a huge insult. 
Nabal has just received this request from these guys and he, he could have politely said, you know what, guys, I'm not gonna do this today. But instead what he did is he looked at David and he just said, hey, I don't know who you are and I don't know where you're from. And I know that there are a lot of people who are, there are a lot of runaways today. And what he was pointing to was after David killed Goliath, he became this national figure. He was celebrated, everybody knew him. He became this great man of war, leader of the army. And the, the nation of Israel really honored him. And Saul, who was the king at that time, couldn't handle anybody else getting praise. And so Saul had been trying to kill David. He'd been chasing David around. And he had, David was put in the position of either leaving his boss and master Saul or actually being put in a position to have to kill him. And so David chose to leave. And what Nabal is saying is basically, hey, listen, I know who you are and I'm siding with Saul. Um, you're, just, you're just a guy who abandoned, coward, run away from your master. And so David's men, verse 12, hearing this, they turned around and they went back. And when they arrived, they reported every word. And David said to his men, each of you strap on your sword. So they did. And David strapped on his as well. About 400 men went up with David while 200 stayed with the supplies. So David's mad. He is, he is seeing red. He is angry beyond description. He and his men were good to Nabal and they came to him at a culturally appropriate time and humbly asked him to help them. And Nabal insulted them and sent them away. And David in his anger straps on his sword rallies 400 guys and they're getting ready to head down to where Nabal is and take vengeance for themselves. So I just wanna, as a side, I'm seeing a lot of this in our culture right now. What's going on here is that Nabal was really rude to David. He's incredibly rude to him. And David escalated. He, David overreacted. Um, what Nabal said and did did not deserve the death penalty. Under the law of God, under the law of man, David was, David was so angry, he had strapped on his sword and he and his buddies were headed down to go take their own vengeance and take Nabal. And his intention was all the men who lived in Nabal's family, they were gonna take their lives for Nabal being rude to him. And I'm, just, I'm seeing escalation in our culture. And I know you guys are seeing it too. And this is not a sermon about anger and responding and how we respond in anger. But I just, I just wanted to point this out. It's worth noting, noting that all the things that we're seeing, not just on the national level, the big picture level, but in, in our homes and in our families and in our neighborhoods and communities, the, the scuffles that are verbal scuffles, the, the stuff that's happening, it's really easy right now to overreact. There's, there's just this base layer that we all have of frustration and the unknown and things not going the way we had hoped or planned. And, and when one more thing gets added to that, we're just seeing a lot of things go on in our culture where somebody is, they're escalating and they're overreacting. And, and I just think it's worth noting that and kind of pointing out, so if you find yourself getting ready to respond, Maybe be asking yourself the question of, hey, is, is the way I'm responding or reacting to what just happened, is this maybe a little bit over the top? And so I just wanted to point that it's not a sermon about, it's not a sermon about anger, it's about peacemaking. And so let's keep moving to verse 14. So one of the servants told Abigail, Nabal's wife. So, so David's on his way down with his guys, swords strapped on, ready to go. One of the servants told Abigail, Nabal's wife, David sent messengers from the wilderness to give our master his greeting, but he, our master, hurled insults at them. 
But these men were very good to us. They didn't mistreat us. And the whole time we were out in the fields near them, nothing was missing. Night and day, they were a wall around us the whole time we were herding our sheep near them. Now think it over and see what you can do because disaster is hanging over our master and his whole household. And he's such a wicked man that nobody can talk to him. So this is Abigail's defining moment. What she does or doesn't do in this moment is gonna make all the difference for her, for her household, and ultimately for her king and for her nation. There's so much at stake in this moment. And this lady, she's so sharp. I, I think she realizes that this is a defining moment and, and she doesn't need anyone to tell her that. She just instinctively, she leans in to this moment and meets it. And as I'm reading this and thinking about, okay, so if, if I'm cheering for Abigail, what do I want her to do in this moment? David and his men, swords strapped to their hips, are coming down to take vengeance on Nabal and the other men of her household. I think I'm cheering for, if I'm a fan of Abigail, I'm just cheering for Abigail to do nothing. Because if she does nothing, if she just smiles at the servant and says, hey, I don't know what we could do, what will happen is David and his men are gonna sweep down and sweep through. And Abigail, like she was, this was the day of arranged marriages. So she was given in marriage to this guy who is surly and rude and mean. And she's been in relationship with him for we don't know how long, but that's her husband. And she's been in this relationship with him. And finally, his mouth and his attitude have gotten him in more trouble than he can handle. And David and his guys are gonna sweep through and Abigail is gonna find herself liberated from this mean, surly husband. And she's a beautiful, intelligent woman who's probably gonna land on her feet in circumstances that are better than the ones she's living in today. And so if she's just watching out for herself, if we're just fans of Abigail, we're cheering for her, like it seems like a good thing for her to do is just to do nothing and let these things play out and she'll be free to go on with her life. But in these circumstances, doing nothing like the thing that was best for her wasn't the right thing to do. And this lady is a hero. And so instead of choosing what's best for herself, she chooses to do what's right. It's verse 18. Abigail acted quickly. Like she didn't even finish the, con like the conversation with the servant just comes to an end. Abigail acted quickly. She took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dressed sheep, five sayas of roasted grain, 100 cakes of raisins, 200 cakes of pressed figs, loaded them on donkeys. And she's just this feast for hundreds of men. And she told her servants, go on ahead, I'll follow you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal because he was a mean, surly guy who had other things going on. If you skip down with me to verse 23, Abigail's going to meet David. And when Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed down before David with her face to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, pardon your servant, my Lord, and let me speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. Please pay no attention, my Lord, to that wicked man, Nabal. He's just like his name. His name means fool and folly goes with him. And as for me, your servant, I didn't see the men my Lord sent. And so there's a, there's a lot of humility and posture here that we're kind of uncomfortable with probably in a 21st century setting. This is not about gender relationship in that day. This is about Abigail recognizing that she is talking to the guy who will be her king. 
And so this is about a king and a subject, and still that's uncomfortable for us, but it's entirely appropriate given the relationships there. Now, verse 27, this was she, and let this gift, that gift that she prepared, let this gift which your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the men who follow you. And so she's brought, the, she's brought what Nabal should have done in the first place. Verse 30, she says this to David. When the Lord has fulfilled for my Lord every good thing he promised concerning him and has appointed him ruler over Israel, my Lord will not have on his conscience the staggering burden of needless bloodshed or of having avenged himself. And when the Lord your God has brought my Lord's success, remember your servant. And in listening to her, David replies, David said to Abigail, verse 32, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you today to meet me. May you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. And down to verse 35, then David accepted from her hand what she'd brought him and said, go home in peace. I've heard your words and granted your request. And I gotta tell you, Abigail inspires me. I mean, she, she saved her husband. She saved the men who were part of her household. She saved David from committing a sin that would dog him for the rest of his days. She repaired the relationship with her future king that she and her family would need. I mean, she was just, she was a peacemaker. And I'm so inspired by her and, and I'm so encouraged by her. And these are the kind of, she's the kind of person that we need in our homes, our families, our neighborhood, our community, our country today. And so what I'd like to do is spend just a few more minutes pointing out some things about Abigail that I think the Lord wants us to see. I think these are major reasons that this story is recorded in the scripture for us. So I'm gonna start with her character. The author mentions two things about her. And First Samuel 25 says that she's intelligent and beautiful. And just from the way the story plays out, I see a few other things that I think are really important. The first one is that she was a woman of faith. I mean, she lived with the attitude, if you remember the series we did a while back, is titled, What If He Does? And how people of faith look to the promises and statements of God has made and decided to live like he's actually going to do what he said he would do. And she was living under a prophecy that had been made about David, that he would replace Saul as king over the nation. And so she was, she was living from a position of faith saying, what if he does? What if God actually makes David king over our nation? And if God actually makes David king over our nation, my husband and I, our household need a different relationship with the king than one Nabal had created with his foolish behavior. And if God actually makes David the king over our nation, David doesn't need bloodshed, vengeance hanging on his shoulders. He doesn't need that sin. He doesn't need the consequences of that sin in his life for him to lead and rule us well. And so she was thinking, she was a woman of faith. And I wanted to point that out first and most importantly, because, because I've told you this before and I'll keep saying it again. I'm just not a fan of try harder Christianity. This is not a message about like, hey, let's try really hard and go see if we can be peacemakers. This is about a posture of faith where we're trying to stir each other up and encourage each other to trust God, to do what he said he will do. And in these moments, what Abigail is doing in these moments as a peacemaker, she's simply trusting God that he's gonna do what he said he would do. And it's her trust in him that calls her forward into hard things and hard places. Faith in God will call you forward. It will call you into hard things and hard places. And you'll be successful because when you're following the call of trusting God, you get divine resources, you get divine wisdom, you get divine strength 
to do hard things. And so what Abigail did here was incredibly difficult, but she did it based on her faith in who God is and what he said. And she reaped the blessing of being a peacemaker. So I wanna start with her being a woman of faith. I also wanna point out that her faith led her to be others-centered. And as I mentioned that early on, that she, to do nothing would have been the best decision for her but she wasn't thinking about herself. She was thinking actually about her husband, who's that surly, mean guy. And she was thinking about the other men who were part of her household. These people who took care of their sheep and their business interests and around the home. She was thinking about her servants. And because she was thinking about other people, she was thinking about David and what the cost for him would be if he came through and carried out his plans. And so she's this other-centered person and not thinking about herself. And then the third thing about her character that I see that I just really like, she's humble. She's humble and she's beautiful and she's intelligent. And she's a person of faith and she is other centered and none of that has gone to her head. She's this humble person who's willing to do and you see that in her actions. And so I wanna point out these five things. And I think in these five things, if, if people of faith who are other centered and are humble engage in this kind of behavior, I think we go a long ways towards racial reconciliation towards bringing the political divide in our country back, the differing opinions that are present in our community, the divide that's amongst families and children, all the stress and turmoil. If, if we could act, if we could follow this example, trusting God as we move forward, I think, there's, I think there's great healing for us as a people in this. So the first action that she took, um, she went to the offended in the, in the posture of the offender. She went to David, and if you remember what we read through there, she just, Nabal was the guy who created all the mess. But she recognized that she was connected to him, and she took his sin on her. She went to David and she said, Hey, I, I've messed up. I've offended you. And she didn't, she didn't just say, It was like, Hey, this guy over here, so can you? She took, she went to him, and she recognized that, like, she just took the sin of Nabal on herself. She went first to David, and then she overconfessed. And I think this is really important in a world that isn't very good at saying, I'm sorry. And she overconfessed. I just, I wrote it down. She acknowledged that David had been mistreated. She owned Nabal's bad behavior as her own. She was truthful about the kind of guy that Nabal was. She didn't make excuses for him or try to defend him in any way. She overconfessed. I mean, this is a fantastic apology. She just owned what had been done wrong and how it had impacted David and that it was wrong and that she was part of that. She just said she was sorry over, it's an over confession. And instead of just the like, hey, mea culpa or my bad, or man, I'm sorry you feel that way. Those kind of apologies that are prevalent in our culture today, that those don't make peace. And peacemakers are over apologizers or over confessors. The, th the third thing she did was she asked for forgiveness and made things right. She didn't just ask for forgiveness. She actually made things right. She brought the gifts that should have been given to David and to his guys when it started. And so she, she confessed, she asked for forgiveness, she made things right. And then this is, she spoke a blessing that called David up. She didn't call him out for what he was doing. She called him up. He was functioning kind of as a warlord or a bully. And he was a guy that had been prophesied to be king of the nation of God's people. And instead of addressing him and calling him out for acting like a warlord or a bully, what she did was she spoke blessing over him when she said, hey, when the Lord does for you 
what he said that he was going to do. When you become king, these are some things that I'm speaking over you. And in doing that, she was reminding him of who God had said he was, and she was treating him accordingly. And I find that fascinating that she was speaking blessing over him. She wasn't chewing him out. She was not like, she just was reminding him of who he is and gently encouraging him to act consistently with who God had made him to be and all of that in the context of a blessing that called him up. And then this last thing that I've noticed is that at the end, she expressed a genuine desire for relationship with him. Um, she said that when, when all this comes to be, when, you become, when you're entering into what God is going to give you, please remember us. Like she, she genuinely wanted to be in relationship with him. And so I wanna go back to what Jesus said. It's a summary statement of, we began with at the beginning in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter five, verse nine, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. And the one thing about peacemakers is that they always point us to the Lord. And I, I am reminded of Jesus when I read this story of Abigail. She did some things that, that point us to him. She's not an exact representation of him, but she does some things for her husband and the men and for, G, for David that Jesus did for us. I was thinking about this as we head into a time of communion. Jesus came to earth and he became one of us. And even though he was perfectly righteous and good, he took our sin on himself. And Abigail did that. Like she took Nabal's sin on herself. She just owned that and confessed that. And Jesus came to be one of us. He was not only innocent, like he was actively and perfectly good. And he was willing to be counted amongst people who are sinners. And he took his sin, our sin on himself. And on the cross, he paid what we owed. The Bible's very clear. The wages, the penalty for sin is death. And Jesus entered into death, not because of anything that he did, but because of what we had done and our rebellion from God. And so he took our sin on himself and he paid what we owed. And of course, in his resurrection from the dead, he was willing not only to pay for our sin, but also to share this life that he has with us. And Jesus is the ultimate peacemaker. He is the one who makes peace between God and human beings. And so we're gonna celebrate Jesus as our peacemaker today in this time of communion. And as we do that, I wanna remind you that, that peace or reconciliation, it always takes two. There's the people, the offender and the one who has committed the offense. Like they have to, it takes two to come together. And and Jesus, as the one who has offended, been offended, God, as the one who has been offended by our sin, stands ready to be reconciled to, for us to be at peace with him. And what it takes for you and for me in this is that we would simply say yes to this provision that he has made for us in Jesus as the one who died. He took, his, he took our sin on him. He died in our place. He rose again from the dead and he gives us life. And so we're gonna remember that and celebrate that together in communion. If that's something that you believe that you're hanging on to, that you've said yes to, this communion is a celebration for you. If it's, if it's something that's new for you, this communion can be, it could be a moment of faith for you. It could be a moment of trust where you, just, you express your great desire to be reconciled to, to be at peace with God because what Jesus has done. So if you'll grab the bread that's there, 
This ceremony comes from Jesus's last night with his followers right before he went to the cross. And he knew where he was headed. He knew he was headed to the cross. He knew the sacrifice that he was about to make for us. And he took a piece of bread and he broke it. And he told his followers, this bread is my body, which is broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. Let's eat the bread together. And later on in that meal that he had with his followers, he took a cup of juice or wine And he told his followers, this, this cup is my blood, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. And he told them and tells us, drink this in remembrance of me. So if you'd let me, can I pray for us? And then um, I'll finish up by asking you some questions for reflection or for discussion. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, you are our peace. Really grateful that you would take our sin on yourself, that you would enter into death for us, that you'd rise again and give us your life. And all of that so we could have peace with God and from that flows peace with each other. And so in saying thank you for that, I'm asking you for myself and for my friends who are watching this message and for those of our church who are gonna participate in person too, um, may we be people of peace. Would you call us into peacemaking roles? May we see those defining moments for what they are and step in representing you really well. And we just claim that promise, blessed are the peacemakers because they're called children of God. You have said that we're your children. We say yes to that. So <clears throat> we ask you for the privilege of being peacemakers in our homes, communities, culture too. And Jesus, we, we enjoy this and we get to ask you for these things because of what you've done for us. And so we pray these things in your name, amen. All right, so let me finish up real quickly here and just ask you some questions that I think will be good discussion for you. So the first question is, what does communion mean to you? And uh, this, this was your first time or if you've been doing it your whole life, just kind of just to talk there amongst the people you're with, what does communion mean to you? Number two, when you think about the things that Abigail did, what's most impressive to you and why? Did she do anything that makes you uncomfortable or frustrates you or spurs questions in you? There's a lot of cultural stuff that was happening there and maybe some of that just feels a little weird and you wanna articulate that, talk about it. Third question, are there other people who come to mind when you think about people who are peacemakers? Maybe that's somebody in your family, somebody else from history, somebody else in the Bible that you know. Are there other people who come to mind? And then the fourth question, why do you think Jesus said that peacemakers will be called children of God? I think those will be good questions for you to reflect on or for you to answer together as a family or as a small group. I'm really glad that you've been with us today. Thank you for joining us. Uh, may God bless you guys. I love you. I'll see you next week.
Church family, thanks so much for joining us today. If there are any needs in our church or in our community that you are aware of, please reach out to us because we want to help. You can do this by contacting the church office or by going to the service opportunity tool on our website. We'll work with you to figure out how CCC can help. Thank you for choosing Christ Community Online for your church experience today. See you next time.